0: Good evening, everyone. Oh, this is nice. Everybody's like shifted forward a little bit here. It doesn't feel like we're so scattered out. Now I don't have to shout. Not, no, I don't usually shout. First um, uh, John, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. I was thinking as we were singing that song, The Old Rugged Cross, uh, there's a particular line in there that uh, is relevant to what we're discussing tonight in terms of the difference between the world and um, those who are God's people. And that verse 2 uh, that talks about the Old Rugged Cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. There's such a difference there, uh, that this, this cross that is folly to the world and has Has no attraction to them. They don't see a need for it. But to those that have been born again, what a wonderful and wondrous attraction it is for us that our Savior would sacrifice himself on our behalf. Uh, That's a wonderful thing. It's a good line. It goes along with our lesson for tonight as well. We've been studying through the book of First John. And last week we entered chapter four and got through the first three verses. Uh, John has been instructing the people in what is from God and what is not from God. In particular, he has uh, referred to the testing of spirits. And we talked last week about uh, his command to his readers to stop believing every spirit. And now as a reminder or a refresher, let's remember what John's talking about and what he's not talking about. When he talks about the spirits, he's not talking about Spirits in terms of ghostly beings that we can see that are floating around um, and that we have to test in some way. He's not talking about beings at all. Uh, John's talking about doctrine. He's talking about what man teaches. Well, so why mention spirits? Okay, why does John bring up spirits? Well, because the teaching is spiritual at its core from the spiritual realm, teachings that we here are either coming from God or they're coming from Satan. But these spiritual teachings come in the form of the words and messages that mankind proclaims. Satan doesn't call a meeting and and stand up front for everyone and then spout his lies. He doesn't do that himself. But those men who are deceived, who perhaps don't even know they're deceived, uh, they are slaves of his. They're doing his bidding. They're going about doing his business. Okay? They call the meetings. They gather the people together and call it church. And then they preach and teach lies to deceive and to blind people's eyes to the truth of the Word of God. They proclaim the devil's lies wrapped up in Christian-sounding words and Christian-looking activities. And then when you want to call them back to biblical uh, doctrine, they'll, they'll attack you for wanting to remain faithful to the Word of God. And they'll call you a liar even because you want to stick with the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, 12-14 uh, says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Okay, so these, these will go on from bad to worse, these teachers, deceiving and being deceived. So John is going about the business of calling the people to biblical fidelity and giving instructions for the task, okay, which we began looking at last week and will continue this week. And I want to start by reading from the beginning of the chapter, of chapter 4. Uh, for context, like I said, we only got through the first three verses, um, so I wanted to start at the beginning again for um, the whole context of the passage from one through six. Okay, so First John chapter four, verses one through six: Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Pray with me tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, gathered around your word, which is the ultimate truth. And Father, we are so grateful that you have provided it for us. And we ask, Father, that you would teach us by your Spirit, that you would bring bring us to understanding of your Word. I pray that you would continue to do so more and more, that we may be prepared to recognize error, we may be prepared to correct error, to flee from error, to warn others about error. Father, that we may be anchored in the truth of your word, that we would desire that, um, Father, that we would not want to go elsewhere, that we would want what you want, we would love what you love, hate what you hate. Strengthen us, Father, to be in this world. Strengthen us to be those who are called according to your purposes in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation, Lord. We ask for strength, and we thank you, Lord, that you do promise that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's in his name we pray, amen. Well, as I said last week, um, this is not about feelings or emotions or experiences. This is all about knowledge, okay? This this spiritual battle is about um, all that comes against the truth of God in our lives, our Our spiritual lives are absolutely reliant upon the written word of God for true understanding, for an accurate worldview based on God's explanation for what's happening around us. Our spiritual security rests on the truth of God, on the truth of the person and work of Jesus Christ, on the true work of the Holy Spirit within us. All of the knowledge we have about these things is taught to us by the Spirit of God through the written Word of God. God teaches us. The Bible tells us what the problem is. Okay, what we are up against is that Satan is an imposter. Okay, he, he's an actor. He's pretending. Pretending to be something he's not in order to fool people. In his, uh, if you want to start turning to 2 Corinthians uh, 11, in, in his second letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul was contending with lots of false apostles and the ungodly teachings they were spreading. Um, and he talked about Satan as being an imposter. Uh, he used different language. He used the word disguised. And some of your translations might have the word uh, masquerade, masquerading, uh, something to that effect. Um, oops, I went to 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is where we're supposed to be. If I if I told you first, I meant second. 2 Corinthians, chapter eleven, and we're looking at verses twelve through fifteen. And it's in this around this context of Paul addressing the false apostles. Okay, he says here in verse twelve, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would. Like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Okay, so did you hear what Paul said there? Look, look at his thinking and how, and how we should think and understand Satan's modus operandi. Uh, these men were false. They're deceitful. They're disguised. And Paul said, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He says, no wonder. Okay? This is normal for him. It's what Satan does. He pretends to be from God if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, well, it is a duck, right? He's he's a liar and the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning, the scripture tells us. And Paul goes on there and says, so it is no surprise if who? His servants also, what? Disguise themselves as what? Servants of righteousness. Okay, they're doing what Satan does. They're doing his bidding. They They disguise themselves as well. So tell me, what is the disguise? If you could break it down simply, what is the disguise? Pretending you're different than you are? Okay, yes. But how specifically is, what is that disguise specifically? False claims, yes. The false teaching right? That's the disguise, the teaching, okay? Not clothing, not a, not a mask on a stick that you hold up to your face, like you're going to the masquerade ball, okay? It's, it's a mask of teaching. It is teaching dressed up to sound like the real thing, but twisted or changed enough to draw people in, okay? It is a person's words intended to hide the fact that they serve another master. That's what's going on here, Okay, it is important for us to be reminded how Satan operates and that he's always operated the same way, by attacking the truth with a mixture of truth and error. We asked that question last week, what's worse, out-and-out out error or the mixture of truth and error, and we decided that was more, uh, more dangerous for Christians, okay? So, so any, taking any bit of truth and putting error with it changes the truth. It is no longer truth. Uh, but lies. Okay, this has been going on from the very beginning. This is what Satan does. right? Did God actually say you shall not eat? Okay, you, you'll not surely die. That's what Satan's doing. He's, he's lying. He's deceiving. This is how sin and death entered the world by belief in lies that sounded like truth. Right? This is literally how mankind fell. By ignoring what God said, to go after what appeals to the desires of our flesh, to the desires of our eyes, to the pride of life, as John wrote in chapter 2 of this letter. And he said, these things are what, uh, what is in the world, and they're passing away. That's what John said. Okay? Don't love the world. Satan tempted Eve with worldly desires to gain spiritual understanding, causing her to set aside what God had provided, which was everything she needed. Okay, he, she sets that aside for the lie. John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. But Eve did, and Adam followed. Genesis 3:6. so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And we cannot forget that Satan, he worked this way in the past, from the very beginning, and he continues to work this way now. And we must be on guard for these people, or spirits, as they're referred to here, right? These these teachings, these people and their doctrines of demons. And John wrote on the subject, not only for Christians in his day, but for us as well. And that's why we can benefit from this now. We need to benefit from this now. So we must be able to distinguish between them, okay, between The spirit of Satan manifested through the teachings of men who serve him, and the spirit of God manifested through those who teach what God has said. So what was John's instruction for what to do about this last week? What was his instruction for what to do? To distinguish. How do we distinguish? Testing, right? We have to test the spirits. Test every spirit. Um... That is what we are to do. But why do we need to test the spirits? Well, not, not because we want to know if, something, um, if it's something we like or don't like. That's not what we're testing. And not to see if we agree with it or not. That's not the test. But John says the test is to see if they are from God. Okay, you see the difference between what I might like or want to hear and what is from God? Because sometimes... If we're honest, we don't really like what God has to say. Okay, so the the standard is, is it from God? Uh, You know, it doesn't matter whether I like something or not, or whether we agree with something or not, whether culture likes it or not. What matters is the standard, is what's being said from God. If it is from God, we listen and we obey it and learn from that, that teacher. If it's not from God, we call it out as such and we reject Reject it as false, and don't listen to that, that teacher. This is where we need to apply this, this famous verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and do what? Take every thought captive to obey Christ. All right, this is about knowledge. It's about the truth. No matter how enticing the message of the world is, I must align my thoughts with Scripture. And obey Christ. Is it from God? And keeping that question in mind, is it from God? In verse 4 in our passage tonight, we see that John takes us back again, as he does many times, to the foundation, to the anchor of truth about where a Christian comes from. Let's look at what he says here in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay, you are from God. Though God has created everything and everyone, this is not about general creation. Okay? This is about the new birth. From God, meaning you have gone from spiritual death to spiritual life by the power of the gospel. You have been born of God. So John says to them, you are from God. He's reminding them who they are in Christ. He's reminding them of their their identity as Christians. And then he says that you have overcome them. Well, who's the them? In the context of our passage, who's the them? False teachers, right? The spirits that we're supposed to test, the the message of the false teachers. um, It's those tested spirits that are found to be false. The spirit of Antichrist, as John called it, as we saw last week. These spirits come with all that is false in the world. They draw people into deception. They even seem to be prevailing. They seem to be victorious in gathering the cause, uh, gathering to the cause of the devil. But John is saying, you've overcome them. That that's, seems to be a contradiction, right? We can look around and it seems like it's prevailing. But John is saying, you've overcome them. John does not mean that you, on your own in your own strength, according to your own will, um, have accomplished this. Okay, You have not overcome them in that sense. Really, Christ has overcome. Christ has overcome them. He says, you have overcome them because he's writing to Christians, those that the Bible identifies as being in Christ. He means, in Christ you have overcome them, through Christ, by the power of, of christ you can see that's what he means by looking at the, the end of this verse and verse four he gives credit to god for the overcoming he identifies god as being greater than what has been overcome see he says for he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world who's the he who's in you the spirit of god right? who's the who's the he who's in the world the spirit of Antichrist. Why do we need to be reminded, though, that that God is greater? Why do we need to be reminded of that? Because we're human, okay? What else? Because we live in the world, right? We see with our eyes what's going on, and we can begin to believe that Satan is stronger than he is. Any other questions? thoughts on that? Why do we need to be reminded? To keep us on track? To, because we get tempted? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why we need to be reminded. And we could kind of break it down to one thing. We forget. We need to be reminded because we forget how great God is. We forget how powerful God is. Because, like Matt was talking about, the world around us, it, it sends a different message. It seems that Satan is winning sometimes, but that too is a lie from Satan, right? He wants us to believe he's winning. The the world is the domain of Satan. That is where Satan is. He is in the world, but the one who is in you, the Spirit of God, is greater than he that is in the world. Well, then why does it seem as if Satan is greater sometimes? Well, again, we, we see what's going on around us. We continue to see people... Believing lies. It, the, the lies don't just go away and everything gets better, and all of a sudden everyone's following Christ. We continue to live in a world that is deceived. And we cannot let that deceive us, though, as Christians. Because the world continues to be deceived, and even people who profess Christ continue to be deceived, we can't let that deceive us into thinking that Satan has or ever will be victorious over God. Okay? That is a lie. Remember that, that Jesus has not just overcome the lies of Satan. Okay? He has actually overcome the world, the world system, Satan's domain, right? Jesus told his disciples, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And John 16, Take heart, he says, be of good courage. Be fortified in this truth. That's what he's he's getting at there. In the very next chapter of this letter that John wrote, here in 1 John, the very next chapter, John explains that it is our faith in this overcoming work of Jesus that is the victory. In other words, the fact that a person is born again in Christ through faith is proof of the victory over sin and death and the world system. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's not our faith because of us or pointing to us in some fashion. But the fact is that it's it's our faith which is in Christ. It's our faith in the work of Christ. It is the work of Christ that has accomplished all of this. Our faith in Him brings about a a fortification of mind for us as we, as we view this world around us and we continue to live in this world. In the next two verses, we see John continuing to make uh, distinctions between the spirits, and he tells us more of the characteristics of those that are from God and those that are from the world. In the next verse, uh, verse 5, starts with those that are in the world, where their allegiance is, where it's placed, and, and what they will listen to. 1 John 4, 5 says, They are from the world. Okay, again, the same they that we're talking about. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Okay, he's making a distinction here. John's been doing this throughout this letter, right? He uses the the us and them, the, the we and they, to separate Christians from non Christians. And we need to be clear that this is not about Christians hating non-Christians, or or being better than non-Christians, or any such thing like that. The world likes to portray Christians as being like that, but it's not so. It it shouldn't be so, that that would be our attitude either. This is about Christians being aware of the differences so that we will not be deceived, and so that we can love them by sharing the gospel with them. We need to know the difference. There is no hatred involved. It's, it's an extreme love as we reflect on our own salvation because of the work of Christ and then we see others that are lost and we have compassion on them. We want to share with them uh, the gospel. So John says, they, okay, false teachers and those who follow them, they are from the world. Then he gives two very clear statements about what they do because they're from the world. Okay, they They speak from the world, and the world listens to them. This is our our proof that they're from the world. They speak from the world, and the world listens to them. What does it mean that they speak from the world? What do you think that means? The things they say won't be biblical, absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same with the world, right? The things they say aren't biblical. They speak folly. Right, right. When you take what the world says, you compare it to what Scripture says, that is true folly, though the world thinks Scripture is folly. What else? Yeah. Right, it's not wisdom from above, it's the wisdom of the world. Absolutely. Okay, that... That the fact that they speak from the world, it's, it's their words, their reasoning, their, their messages. It matches that of the unbelieving world. If you, see, if you see, look in the sky, and you see a feathered creature flying in the sky, you know it's a bird, right? Uh, birds are feathered, and they fly. Now, I may not know what type of bird it is, but I know it's a bird. Okay, if, if I get more information, I could tell you that particular or what particular type of bird it is, maybe. Maybe it lands on the side of the house and starts pecking away at the siding. Well, well, it's probably a woodpecker, okay? Uh, Maybe it swoops down and catches a fish in a large, flabby pouch under its bill. Um, Well, maybe it's a pelican. That, That gives me more information. It tells me about it. But they're still birds. They're not cows. And I can tell because I know what a bird is. It's the same thing with these false teachers who speak from the world and their followers. This is the, the, what John is getting at. We can recognize. We know what this is, so we should be able to recognize. I can see a person standing behind a pulpit with a Bible talking to a group of people. They're saying what the world says. They appeal to the people in the same way the world does. They may look like a preacher, but they sound like the world. Okay, when a supposed preacher of God sounds like the world and looks like the world, Because they have the same message as the world, I recognize them as being from the world. They're not from God. I I may not know what a particular type of false teacher they are, but if I get more information, I could tell. And maybe they say, you should believe Joseph Smith and can have celestial wives and become a god and populate your own planet and and rule as God. Well, Well, they're probably Mormons. Maybe they say, you're, you're little gods, you can create wealth and health and prosperity with your words because you're a little god. Okay. Oh, that's Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Meyer and Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen and on and on the list goes of people that teach these kinds of things. Okay? They speak the message of the world and it appeals to the world. So, so they laugh all the way to the bank with their billions. They're not from God. They're of the world and of their father, the devil. Some of the most popular supposed Christian preachers in the world are preaching all of these things. Therefore, they have huge organizations with billions of dollars because they have promised people riches if they will give them money in the name of God. The followers of these movements do so because the false teachers offer them the desires of their heart. That's why they flock to these people. They offer them the idols they worship and leave them in their sin. What the world thinks is important, they think is important. They may have a Bible. They may use Bible words and say the name Jesus. But what they teach aligns with what the world teaches. Their message fits with the world system. The world will hear the message and accept it. Gladly. This is great. This is a Bible message. The world will not be offended by it, but will embrace it. That's why John goes on to say, the world listens to them. It doesn't hurt the ears of the world to hear the message of these false teachers. They want to hear that message. Who doesn't want to hear how awesome they are and how much money they can have and all those kinds of things? Well, the message of Stephen was not a worldly message, and the people who were of the world though claiming to be of God, killed him. Right, they, they could not agree with the message because Stephen called them out on their sin. Their message was of the world, and they could only hear worldly messages. In Acts 7, 54 through 58, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. Okay, this is the words of Stephen. He's, he's proclaimed the gospel to them and, and what they did to Christ. And When they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. They did not want to hear his message. They didn't want anything to do with it. They they plugged their ears so they couldn't hear it. They screamed all together, and they took him out of the city, and they killed him. Those of the world could not bear to hear Stephen's message. Stephen, John the Baptist, all the apostles, except for John, were killed. They were not killed because they were criminals or because they hurt people. They were killed because their message was from God, and those of the world do not listen to that message. Only God's people can hear his message. Those of the world only hear folly in the message of the cross. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot. He says, indeed, it cannot. The mind of the unbelieving person does not and cannot submit to God's law. Only by being born again will that ever change. Many of Jesus' disciples could not bear his teaching. Jesus talked about um, eating his flesh and drinking his blood as he, as he was explaining that to the people and what it meant. They walked away. They couldn't bear to, bear to hear it. The rich young ruler thought he could be accepted by God because of all his good deeds, but he couldn't bear the message from Jesus that really his problem was that he idolized his, his wealth. He needed to be uh, able to let it go, and he couldn't. He went away sad. He couldn't bear that message. Jeremiah 6.10 says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. If you are or a person is, is in a church and the message that is preached is acceptable to the world, then the Bible's not being preached. The world or the word of God is absent. Just like those of the world who speak and hear the language of the world, those that are of God speak and hear the word of God. Look at our next verse, uh, 1 John 4 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, John emphasizes. That the Christians he's writing to are not from the world, but are from, uh, from God. They are born of God. And he also makes that clear. Uh, makes it clear that his message and that of the other apostles will be listened to by God's people. God's people, truly those who are God's people, will listen to this message. God's people will hear it because it is the message from God through his designated messengers. Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. If someone is in the church and they will not listen to the word of God, no matter what they claim to be, it cannot be of God. God's people will listen. Even if they are sometimes stubborn for a while, they will ultimately listen. John says, this is how we know who is of the spirit of truth and who is of the spirit of error. God has given us the spirit of truth through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay? We can know the truth from error. Again, this is in a long list of things we've seen from John here, things that we can know. And the world likes to tell us, you can't know that. You can't know this. You can't know that. John says, you you can know that you are a child of God. You can know that you have eternal life. And here, you can know the, the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. So what do we need to do? According to John, we start by not believing every spirit, and then we test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And this is not easy. You're on the outside as a Christian. As we've been preaching about on Sundays through 1 through Peter, we do not fit in. We're not supposed to fit in. If you fit in, you're doing it wrong. I guess we need to ask ourselves personally, does, does the world hate me? Meaning those that I have contact with, those who are unbelievers that I'm around, maybe at work or wherever it might be, do they hate me when we talk about these things? Or do I fit in? if, if, If I'm in a discussion with worldly people discussing the world's ideas about human sexuality, let's say, do my comments line up with theirs or with the Bible? Do I shut my mouth or do I say what the Bible says? And again, there's times to be cautious about what you're saying when, but ultimately what we say should not agree with the world that disagrees with God. Jesus spoke this sobering truth to his disciples in John 15, 18, and 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Okay, that's what we've been talking about here, these, these false teachers. They are accepted by the world. Their message is accepted by the world. Okay, that's so they, they love them as their own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. There's an absolute difference. There should be an absolute difference between Christians, what they say, what they believe, how they live, than what is going on with the the unbelieving world around them. Many professing Christians teach a lot of things that sound good, but are not from God. They teach things that they say God would approve of, yet it is not found in God's Word. The goal is not to find a teaching we like and stick with it. The goal is to find out what God teaches and listen to that. Even if the world will say that 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 is hate and we are terrible people for believing it, we must anchor ourselves to God's Word, to the truth. Test the spirits. That is so important that we understand we must make sure A teaching is from God. That's the criteria. Is it from God? And we know that because it will be from His Word. No matter how powerful the story or how moving the story is, no matter how strong or convincing someone's experience is, ultimately we don't live by our experiences, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay? That's John's message here in this first part about testing the spirits. It's such an important thing in the lives of Christians to test the spirits. Not just believe everything, but be like the Bereans and, and, and go home and, and take a look at your Bible and see, does this agree with the Word of God? And if not, we reject it. Okay? So next week we will be looking at, starting in verse 7, uh, which is, uh, again, a, a song, a very popular song uh, that has been around for a long time. But, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We'll be looking at that next week. Well, thank you all for being here tonight. That's our teaching for tonight. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. If you want to stick around um, after our prayer, we'll have time of q and A. I I think um, one of our other elders, Dave, is here uh, to join me up front and we'll do our best to answer your questions and... Have some discussion. We've been having a, a pretty good time here afterwards uh, of discussion. So let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you again for tonight. We thank you uh, for this reminder from John about. Father, I pray that you would um, empower us to do that through your indwelling spirit. We thank you for the truth, Lord, Lord that you have shown us that, that we can know. I pray that we will not be shy, that we will not be afraid to read and study your word to learn what it says and to stand on it to stand firm on it help us lord in our conversations with others not to be arrogant or hateful prideful but father that we would be humble we would express the truth according to your word and that we believe it express how you have changed our lives through the new birth that we would share the gospel with others that we would love them that way whether they say we're hateful or not lord I pray that uh, that accusation would fall on against you and your word and not because of us being hateful. Lord, you are good. What you say is good and right and true. And I pray, Lord, that we would continually grow in our understanding and knowledge of Christ and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.